you know, as we've gone through this series of I love my church, uh, I have been so looking forward to this weekend. Because, you know, when we think about this church, sometimes we forget that this is about something much bigger than us. And when we talk about the international outreach, you know, that we have as a church, you know, sometimes people just don't know, they're not aware. So one of the first things we wanted to do was we want to bring one of our partners here uh, to share the gospel with you guys, to share what's on their hearts. And so, you know, we have three partners. We have a partner in Fort Portal, Uganda, Ronald and Musina uh, Kazito. Uh, we have partners in Asia that are working in the underground church that have invited us to be part of what they're doing. And then we have a dear brother and sister, John and Hannah Bagalawas from Baguio, Philippines. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, when we look for international partners, you know, for us, what we wanted was we want a partner. This isn't just something, hey, where can we send resources and people? No, we want someone that will partner in ministry. And so we sent a vision team about a year and a half ago. And, you know, just, God, what are you putting in our hand? And we wanted someone that has a mindset that raises up disciples who make disciples. We want someone that had a kingdom mindset. And, you know, our first stop, we met with this bishop who oversees like 300 churches. And our whole team was like, no, it's not that guy. And then we met with this church, I don't know, 20,000 people or some crazy number. And we're like, no, it's not that guy. And then we go to Baguio. And in one morning, we met John and Hannah. And our entire team was like, it's them. We, you know, when you read Luke 10 and you start hearing about people of peace, those people that have influence in their communities, people that have uh, just this deep love for Christ and people are attracted to them, that's these guys. That's these guys. We, you know, a month ago we had our youth team go up and minister with them. And so, you know, we asked, you know, John and Hannah that this is reciprocal. You know, talking about how can, how can you minister to us? You know, that old west to the rest mentality of missions has changed. You know, and so, you know, they, they were discipling our team when they came. You know, we asked them, hey, would you come and preach to our church? Disciple us. You know, and that's the beauty of partnership. And so, people, I just want you to give a warm Valley Real Life welcome to John and Hannah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. We're so humbled and honored to be here this morning. Um, you know, it's amazing how God could uh, notice a small church in Baguio. We're only 80 people in our church. I don't know why. It's probably the grace of God why we are here. <laughs> um, if you see Pastor Steve, you know, for a lot of Filipinos, he looks imposing and <laughs> intimidating. The average Filipino height is 5.5 for men. Five feet and five inches. So if someone sees someone as big as Pastor Steve, they're kind of you know, intimidated by his size. <laughs> but when he was in the Philippines, when he came to the Philippines, everyone loves him. He's such a te teddy bear. <laughs> We're so blessed with your pastors. We're so honored. But you have such amazing pastors here in VRL, Pastor Dan. Uh, I met Pastor Dan. He went to the Philippines, and we had, you know, a heart-to-heart -heart time with him. His heart, his passion, 
uh, it's so infectious. His heart for discipleship and how he mentored us, me and my wife, uh, it is priceless. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Please honor and love your pastors. I'm going to let my wife to give you an update about the Philippines. This is my beautiful wife, Hannah. Um, as John said, we're so honored and humbled to be here and to have this opportunity to personally thank you for being a part of what we're doing in the city of Baguio in the Philippines. You just know, you just don't know that um, while you're here, um, here in your beautiful country, uh, you don't know that you have been, you, we have been your extension over there with all your love and your support to the ministry that we do in the Philippines. And I remember um, in Matthew chapter um, 6, verse 19 to 21, it says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. And, and I remember it's like having this feeling here. I have a $20 bill in my pocket. Five years from now, it's still going to be a $20 bill if I keep it in my pocket. Ten years from now, it's still going to be a $20 bill if I keep it in my pocket. But what you have done with what you gave, this is not just a dollar bill. It has become a tool for the transformation of lives. And, and you have been such a part of it. Um, we are so grateful because my husband has been pastoring the church for the last 10 years. And we have not been able to upgrade we, our, our sound system. We have not been, we don't have the capacity to do it. But with your love and your generosity, we have done it this year. Um, also, your love and support have enabled us to continue on with our community-based drug rehabilitation for drug addicts. Um, um, since with that program, it's accredited with the government, we have been able to have six families join our church because of that program. And now that we have been continuing it, it has been an outreach in that community where 30 people are attending our Bible studies in that outreach. And you are helping us with that. We have been doing parenting trainings, um, youth empowerment trainings. Our city is the second, um, uh, number two in the Philippines to have the highest uh, number of uh, teenage pregnancies. And so, with the parenting and the youth empowerment programs, um, we health. are going and, and youth intervention for Mental youth health. with um, in conflict with the law. We are able to minister to school, to school, to school, to school, and you are part of that. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. The young people who came to the the Philippines a month ago, uh, they came with um, school bags. For you, it is just a school bag. But for the parents of the underprivileged children who lives in that community where we live, that is an answered prayer because they were not able to buy school supplies for that, their children. And since that outreach that we've done a month ago with the young people of VRL, the community leader who's elected um, every three years is now attending church with her family. <laughs> 
So that is what you're helping us do in the Philippines. Um, you're not just helping the church, the ministry that we do, but you have helped us personally when we have um, experienced typhoon um, last year. We met Pastor Steve, um, Janet uh, Smith, Kathy Olsen, Bill Kilgore in 2018. But when they came in January through my cousin Mel and cousin in law Jake Douglas, we met them through them. And we have felt like we have a family. We have a new family who, who took us into their wings. That's how we felt. That's why when there was a strong typhoon and damaged part of our house, without even asking, without even saying, they, your church has helped us as a family. And so we're so grateful for that. Can you just give somebody a tap on your shoulder? Then a good person job. Next You're doing a good job as a church. And um, we are so blessed to be uh, part of that, um, the work that you do. So may God bless every one of you from Pastor Dan Shields down to all the staff and members of Valerie Life. May God bless you. You have such a big heart. Thank you very much. Again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you very much. You have an open invitation to go to the Philippines. We have the best mangoes in the world. <laughs> Pastor Steve ate a lot of them. <laughs> Please go to the missions, you know, go to China, go to Uganda, go to the Philippines. Uh, it is life-transforming for us. Uh, you are not only blessing us, but you are encouraging us to move on in our faith. Thank you. In John chapter 13, if you have your Bibles with you, if you're ready to listen to the word, please open your Bible in John chapter 13. And we will be reading from verse 34 to 35. Uh, let me warn you, I have a very strong Filipino accent. So if you don't understand what I'm saying, pray for interpretation. <laughs> Or look for a Filipino. <laughs> John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. We, we live in a day of abounding love, abounding iniquity and dwindling love. We are living in a season where divides are becoming deeper in our culture, whether it has to do with denominations, political feelings, race, socioeconomics, or other factor. And that divide is getting wider every day. And because we Christians also have strong feelings and uncompromising conviction on all matter of Christian theology, it's also tempting for Christians to be apathetic and to separate from one another. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 25, that in the last days, iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. However, in the midst of these challenging times, 
we the church, the body of Christ, has been called by God to love one another with the same degree in which He loves us. Take note that love, according to verse 34, is not an option. The followers of Jesus Christ are known for their love. The essential nature of a child of God is real love. Disciples will love one another. God's true children will display this nature. Why does Jesus command us to love one another? The word love here is the word agape. He gives us this command to love. To love the way He loves us. It is because He knows that deep inside our hearts, we have this reservation of purely loving and giving unconditional love to one another. There's a part of every one of us that rebels against the idea of unconditional love. There is a part of us that says love is out of place in the world in which we live. There is a part of us that says, sure, loving is great, only up to a point. We draw the line and say, those are the people we are prepared to love. We draw the line and say, that's how far we are prepared to do kind deed for someone. We unconsciously think about it. We are happy to love in a selective way, in a selective kind of way. We are comfortable to love with the kind of love that doesn't make us uncomfortable. We might be happy with the kind, this kind of love but this is not what Jesus Christ was talking about here when he said, love one another just like I have loved you. Jesus was calling his disciples to demonstrate a new kind of love. This is not simply a command to love another, but a command to love one another in a special way. The Greek word, Agape is the love that people have only because God has given it to them. Agape is used to describe the love that is of God and from God. A love that cannot be manufactured by us. It did not originate from our own strength. It is the love that was shed abroad in our hearts. The love that we experience when we received Him as our Lord and personal Savior. It's a new commandment because they were never told to love this way before. They were to love one another as He has loved them. A new kind of love. Notice that small word, must. It is a love Patterned after the love of Jesus. And this is what makes it a new and higher standard of love. 
You see, love is so difficult to explain. How many of you have ever been in love? Thank you for raising your hand. The first time I met my wife, I'm already married for 19 years. We've been married for 19 years. Our eldest son is uh, 18 years old. But I remember the first time I met her, it was so unexplainable. It's just so exciting to be in love. I remember when I first touched her hand and I put my arms around her waist, had butterflies in my stomach. And as she put her arms around my neck, I felt those cold chills going down my back. And it was exhilarating. It was difficult to describe how much more difficult it is to express the love of God. That is romantic love. But God is not talking about romantic love. He was talking about agape. And in, first John, in John 13, Jesus Christ gives us a picture of how he loved his disciples. And this is what Jesus Christ wanted us to do. To express the same love that he has shown with his followers. You see, Jesus discipled his disciples to love this way. In fact, we cannot genuinely disciples we cannot genuinely disciple without agape love. We are not disciples if we don't have agape love for one another. In in John 13, verse 4 and 5, Bible tells us he rised from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself and poured it water in a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. We live in a society where we put so much emphasis on titles, on accolades, emphasis on self, self-fulfillment. That's the age we live in. But Jesus Christ said no to self. Jesus Christ laid aside that selfism that he might serve others. His love was so selfless. In fact, the love of Jesus produced such a scandal in his day. His love was a stumbling block to many, especially to the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because he did not follow the rules. It upset so many people. Jesus loved even the unlovable, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lepers. These were the people that society called unclean. And yet, he touched the unclean. And it made them clean. Agape is not only a love that is selfless, but agape is a love that is steadfast. And I pray, VRL, that you will be known not because of your beautiful facilities or your beautiful buildings or your big buildings. I pray that you will be known because you have agape. That this church 
is a church who knows how to love, who knows how to reach out. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, the Bible tells us in verse chapter 13 of verse 1, when he knew that he was about to be crucified, the Bible said he showed the full extent of his love. Oh, it's easy to love everybody when everything is lovely. But do you know who Jesus Christ was loving? He was loving Judas. He even washed the feet of the one whom he knows would betray him. God loves us, not because we are lovable. God loves us because he is love. He loves us not because of the excellence that we possess. He loves us not because of our own merits. He loves us because of what His Son did more than 2,000 years ago when He died on the cross of Calvary. You see, we all love those who love us in return. It's where we get the saying, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Yes, we do have that saying in the Philippines too. <laughs> and it's simply congruent with human nature to love those who love you, right? This is common sense. However, there is something very different about loving one's enemy. This is offensive to our human nature. It contradicts all we know and feel. The thought of loving those who would harm us and betray us, it goes beyond our sensibilities and makes us shiver in our own fears. Yet this is the teaching of Jesus. To love those who love is human. To love those who are our enemies is divine. It is above us and beyond us. In Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48, the Bible says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the unrighteous and righteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. For love to be true, it needs to be tough. True love is tough. Love is stronger than hate. Stronger than pride. Stronger than pain. Stronger than hurt. Stronger than unforgiveness. When I was growing up, I've not experienced the love of a father. My father was working abroad, 10 months in Saudi and 2 months in the Philippines. 
So when I turned 12 years old, I realized that I only spent 24 months with my father. And so my father would go home and be with us two weeks before Christmas. And I remember my father would sit in the living room. And to tell you honestly, every time I look at him, I didn't see a father. What I saw was a stranger. When I was 12 years old, my mother abandoned us. I was growing up with so much, so, 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 uh, I, I was growing up with this feeling of being rejected, being abandoned. I felt so unloved. And I thought there was something wrong with me that I need to become, you know, I need to perform. People need to, 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 to see how good, how beautiful I am so that people might love me. And so this, this concept of unconditional love, when I became a Christian, I was so unfamiliar with it. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I thank God that His love is without condition. Bible tells us that He loves us even when we were yet enemies with God. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love because He first loved us. His love for us is so amazing. And that is agape love. It's not only, stead, it's not only selfless, but it is also steadfast. And agape love is not only steadfast and selfless, but this love is a love that serves. In John 13, verse 5, the Bible tells us, after that, he poured water in the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, listen, friends. Jesus literally did something. He didn't just talk about love. He actually showed love. Love is action. Don't just say it. Show it. How is the world to know that we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ? It's not because of the clothes we wear. It's not because of the bumper stickers that we have. It's not having the right doctrine or the right organization, the right form of worship. Certainly, that is important to have. But if we think that by these things alone, we are truly disciples of Jesus, that by these things alone, the world will know we are Christ's disciples, then we are sadly mistaken. Love demands action. Love demands loving those who are not lovable. And I thank God because, you know, there are so many times that I I'm unlovable. My wife knows that. <laughs> Agape is not abstract. It's not passive. It does not simply feel patient. It is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible tells us, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It practices patience. It does not simply have kind feelings. 
it does kind things. A half-hearted, mediocre Christianity doesn't inspire anyone. It doesn't inspire the unbelievers. A Christianity that does not act is dead. It does not attract the unbelievers. Witness the way Jesus Christ loved. Touching the unclean. Talking to an outcast Samaritan woman. Going to Matthew, the tax collector. Praying for his disciples in the upper room. Knowing fully well that they will soon forsake him. Taking up a hideous cross and dragging it through the streets of Golgotha, accepting freely the nails to his wrist, praying earnestly for his enemies as they gambled away his clothes. This is quite a model. Do we possess the Jesus style of loving? In 1 John 3.18, the Bible says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. Love, agape, is the gold standard of Christianity. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not prophecy. Loving God and loving people is more than just a good option. This is the mission of the church. This was not our own bright idea. This is how the New Testament church operated. Genuine, deep-seated, constant, and self-sacrificing love for one another is the distinguishing, distinguishing trait of a Christian. The love is an overflow of what God has done in our hearts. All people will know who is a follower of Christ if true love is always displayed by Christians. We must be known by our Christ-like love for one another. I've been married for 19 years. Our eldest son is 18 years old. Our second son, you met my son, Aiden. He's 15 years old, and we have a 17, uh, a seven-year-old little girl. And when I got married, I was already a pastor. I thought I was already spiritually mature. But in our three years of marriage, we would always fight. Oh, come on, don't look at me like that. <laughs> we would always fight. And she was highly opinionated. <laughs> I was highly opinionated. Uh, you know, I have a strong personality. She has a stronger personality. <laughs> And we would always fight. We would always have these arguments. And I remember what one time, you know, I was in one corner of our house. 
and she was in one corner of our house, and we were both crying. And we, I, I started praying. And you know what I realized? I realized that all my knowledge of the scripture, all the things that I know, means nothing. Because I didn't know how to love properly. I would always fail the love test. And God had to help me see where I really was spiritually. To help me get to where I needed to be. VRL, church, it doesn't matter how much you can pray or war in the spirit. If you don't know how to love people, it doesn't matter how many Bible verses you can quote verbatim. If you don't know how to love people, a sign of spiritual maturity is in your ability to love, not only those who are lovable. And that is why I invite you, go to China, go to Uganda, go to the Philippines, where love is so much needed. And let us disciple the nations as Christ commissioned us to do. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you said, Father God, in your word that we will be known as your disciples if we love one another. Help us to grow in love. Love for our spouse. Love for our family. Even being able to love those who have hurt us. Lord, bless this church. Lord, let this church be strong in their love for you and in their love for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.